This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. I'd like to say hello again. Um, my name <coughs> is Dennis, and um, normally I'm here um, with my beautiful wife, Lynette. And she's down the South Island um, with our oldest daughter um, on the Abel Tasman at the moment. But um, it's <coughs> we say hello and welcome um, to Amazing Grace for another week. We pray that you will be blessed. And... Um, <coughs> Amazing Grace, we, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we have some free giveaways, which we um, often mention, DVD on the um, end of the world and a wonderful book on Steps to Jesus. Um, <clears throat> the Bible says, As you receive Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. So the way that we come to him is the way um, that we continue to walk. And that's a wonderful little book, How to Find... Jesus, the steps to him, but how to stay a Christian. And we also um, have in the Manawa too, we have um, in many um, takeaways um, a wonderful little magazine called um, Signs, Signs Magazine. And it covers um, articles that relate to life like, um, you know, family, health, uh, all sorts of articles on different things, things of faith. Um, it's a really good, great magazine. We're also happy to um, pray for you or a friend or family member on air. So you can contact us on www.mpr.nz or you <coughs> can contact us on 022-68-15216. Just send us a text. Um, with your request, and um, we will do our best um, to fulfil it. So I'd just like to um, start with a prayer and um, invite God to be with us. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for each person that's listening. Um, We love the promises in the Bible, Lord, because you're a God that does not lie. And um, it says that if we come to you, you will not cast us out. Oh, Lord, that's a wonderful promise and uh, a great invitation. You stand at the door and you knock. It says in, in the book of Revelation 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with you. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? And we thank you, Lord, for it. And we open the door and let you into our lives. So be with us here um, at this um, time, Lord, uh, with this radio program. We just pray for uh, each of the folks that are listening. 
and uh, may they know that you are the God who created them, who loves them, and has a wonderful future for them. So, um, yeah, we leave ourselves in your care, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're just going to have um, a devotional, and um, I'm going to read <coughs> from um, Romans 5, few verses in Romans 5, and I'm reading from the um, New Living Bible. New Living Bible. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, and so in verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So on the cross, he died for us. He lived a perfect life. And then it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Oh, what powerful verses. And then it says, we we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They help us um, learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us. And because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So the Bible says that love comes from God. First John uh, 4 and verse 7, love comes from God. And then it says in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person. Though someone might be willing to die um, for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God, um, made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. And since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends with God. Aren't they wonderful verses? Wonderful, wonderful verses in the Bible. Now, <clears throat> see, the Bible says, like I said before, that love comes from God. Romans 5 and verse 5 says, Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. Now, I want to tell you a story from uh, the Second World War. And it's, it's a story about a priest, a Catholic priest, and his name was Max, Maximilian Corby. Corby. Now he was a um, he was a Christian minister or priest. He lived in Austria, and in the Second World War, Germans began uh, rounding up Jews and killing them. 
And Maximilian organised a group of uh, people to hide about 2,000 Jews. But how sad it was that someone in his church uh, reported on him. And then in February 7th, the 17th, 1941, the Germans broke down his door and dragged him off to prison. And he was singled out for special treatment because he was a Christian who helped Jews. So um, the Nazis, they weren't happy with um, anyone who was helping the Jews. Now, so the first day in prison, um, Max, Max was asked several times, are you a Christian? Always he would say yes, and always their brutal fist smashed his face until he lost consciousness. And on the 28th of May, Max was taken to that famous concentration camp um, in Poland. So uh, over a million, over a million people perished in that one place. I, I have been to, um, I've been to Dachau in in um, Munich in, in Germany. That was the first one that Hitler um, organised. And he organised that early in um, 1933 when he got into power. So they knew what they were up to. <coughs> now, um, in that uh, concentration camp, um, a number, uh, 16670, was branded on his arm. And um, he, he was... A, he was given the assignment of building crematoriums where hundreds of thousands of Jews were burned to ashes. Max was um, incredibly unselfish and often gave his meagre rations of food to the more needy prisoners. And when asked why he did it, he replied, every man has his aim in life. Most of you men want to return to your family. My aim is to do what I can to help you. So it's interesting. You know, um, the Bible says everyone who is born of the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, they could be in wherever. They could be in Catholic churches. They could be in Protestant churches. They could be wherever. So <clears throat> the Bible says that the wheat and the tares will grow together unto the harvest, talking about the church. So in the church there is the wheat and there are the tares, usually more tares than wheat. So here is a guy who is a Catholic priest. Now, the Catholic church has had a lot of bad press over the years and it has done some horrible things down through history. Um, and when you think about... Um, the abuse of children by priests, it's terrible. But here is a guy who has the Spirit of God and uh, he demonstrates that he is a child of God. So on the 30th of July, 1941, a man escaped from the camp, from this concentration camp. And sometime later, his body was found um, in the camp. He He had drowned himself. Now, before they knew that, in order to deter others from escaping, the camp commander decided that 10 would die. The 10 names were called out, but the 10th one cried out, Oh my God, oh my God, my, my wife, my family. 
instantly Max um, stepped out and um, stood before the commander and he said, please, sir, may I take his place? I have no wife and family. The man, imagine how the man felt, eh? The man that Max took the place of said of that moment, I could only thank him with my eyes. The um, immense immensity of it. I was condemned and should um, and should I live and someone else willingly voluntary voluntary offer his life for me, a stranger? See it's the picture, isn't it? Isn't the picture of the gospel? That's what Jesus has done. So Max with um, nine others were taken to cell eighteen where they would be starved to death with no food and water. Each day Max prayed with the men and the camp heard songs of praise coming from Max's cell. But each day they grew fainter and fainter. And after two weeks, um, Max, um, and I think there was four altogether, were alive. And um, the Nazis, they wanted the cell for other prisoners and Max was given a, a lethal injection uh, Max died for a Polish Jew who lived to almost 90. Jesus died for you and me so that we could live for eternity. Isn't that good? Oh, isn't God amazing? He is amazing. And that's a demonstration of one of his children. Right? That is a demonstration. Jesus said, by your fruits you shall know them. So, I'll leave you with that thought, and now we're going to have a song, and um,
wonderful song, Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. That's the secret of life. By beholding him, we become changed. And uh, he's our best friend. And now um, we we normally have a um, health tip. And um, my um, lovely wife, Lynette, she's been reading a book. Now, um, I thought I'd leave her to do that because uh, she knows where she's up to. And I thought um, I'd deal with some of the questions that often come up. You know, the Bible is the best book for health. In the beginning, God created um, the heavens and the earth, and he gave man the diet, which was fruits, nuts, and grains. And then in Genesis 3, at the end there, after sin, vegetables were added. And then you came to the time of the flood, the flood. And we don't really know um, how long between creation and the flood, but um, the whole earth was destroyed and uh, God gave permission to Noah that they could eat meat. And 
there was a distinction between the, um, the, the animals that they could eat and the ones that they couldn't. So this question often comes up. Um, they say, are the health laws um, Jewish Old Testament rituals which Christ did away with at the cross, right? So, and, um, so this is the answer to that question. When Jesus died, he gave his life to redeem mankind. His death did not affect in any way what is healthy or what is not healthy. So in, in Leviticus um, 11 and um, Deuteronomy 14, it gives an distinction between the clean and the unclean animals. It only makes sense that if pork, for example, was unhealthy because it was a scavenger um, before the cross, it is unhealthy because it is a scavenger after the cross. Well, it only makes sense, doesn't it? Um, if, if pork, for instance, was unclean in the Old Testament, um, how could it be clean in the New Testament time? Did God change um, the, the pig to be a clean animal? So God gave a list of the scavengers, right, not to eat. And um, so it says here, contrary to popular um, opinion, the biblical health laws are are not for the Jews alone. When Noah entered the ark, he was instructed to bring uh, the clean animals by seven and the unclean by two. And since the clean animals would be eaten um, due to the shortage of vegetation after the flood, they were brought by seven. In Leviticus 11, God distinguishes between the clean and the unclean animals for all mankind. Describing those who, um, in Isaiah 65 um, and 66, well, in 65, 2 to 5, describes those who have rebelled against God as worshipping idols and eating swine's flesh. I think that's in 66, um, but that's where it is. The prophet Isaiah reveals that the rebellious will be destroyed, those who eat swine's flesh. See, God knows what's best, right? He desires um, our bodies to be in good health. He invites us to give up anything that will harm our temple. The Bible says that our body is the temple of God. Now, <clears throat> for instance, um, when you have a look at Leviticus, it outlines Leviticus 11 it outlines the um, the difference between the clean and the unclean animals. Now, when you have a look at the um, the unclean foods, they are high in cholesterol, and um, pork, for instance, is one of the highest um, in cholesterol. Now, swine's flesh and others were prohibited as likely to fill the blood with impurities and shorten life. So that's the problem, see. Um, and I'm reading here from a book. It says, There are few who realise, as they should, how their their habits of diet have to do with their health, their character, their selfishness in this world, and their eternal destiny. The body should be servant to the mind, not the mind to the body. So... <clears throat> We have to use our mind. So God's given us a mind. He's given us common sense. 
and uh, we are to use our mind. You know, I, I feel so sad when I see so many people having strokes and they're just paralysed and uh, their life has changed so much, you know, and yeah, oh, Alzheimer's disease. And I see people, you know, um, with arthritis, you know, and a lot of this stuff can be prevented, you know, if, I, you know, the evidence coming out now that the more that you have a vegan diet, the better your health will be. So the, the more animal products that you have, the more trouble you will have with your health, right? Now, eating is not the only thing. There's exercise, fresh air, trust in God, um, and these different things. But health is really important, and it's God, you know, he knows what's best for us. And um, I remember um, this lady um, from the Brethren Church when I be, first became a, um, a Christian and I became a, a vegetarian. And uh, she says, oh, I don't know how, um, how you can give up your pork chops. You know, she said, I couldn't do that. And um, it was only a few years later she died of cancer. She was 59 and um, she died of cancer, poor thing. And... Um, I've seen my father, um, he at 61 died of cancer. He um, had it in his, had it on his nose and then he got it in his lip and um, they cut the whole of the bottom of his face out, sent him home and then a um, big hole broke out under his chin, in his chin, under his chin. And um, he went to Auckland and they sent him home and they said there's nothing we could do, right? So it's sad. We should do what we can to prevent disease and sickness. And in my experience, um, <clears throat> I don't want to repeat what my um, my father went through. Cancer is such a horrible disease. So anyhow, there um, is um, a thought um, dealing with um, with that subject on health. So um, we're going to have a break now and uh, we will come back. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. So welcome back to um, the programme Amazing Grace. Um, And... I've been doing a series on the book of Revelation. A lot of people find the book of Revelation um, very difficult to understand. Now, I'd like to... um, i just got to grab my notes. Hang on. I'd just like to read um, this statement, which I've I've read before, but I I think it's very good. And... uh, It says here, the Apostle John wrote this book while banquished to the Isle of Patmos because of his faith. In it, it describes the visions, um, the vision he received to comfort the Christians suffering for their faith. It is a graphic, symbolic, and ultimately glorious vision of Christ's victory over sin, evil, and death. It also depicts the incredible joy and freedom uh, we will experience in heaven as we read this book. 
let our minds develop a fresh new picture of the higher power, um, the God of the Bible. So um, isn't, isn't that good? So the Bible is a wonderful book um, that gives us um, hope for today, but um, it gives us <clears throat> um, a picture of heaven. Now, in, in Revelation, it deals with a lot of trouble, right? So when you look through the book of Revelation, in, in chapter 1, um, <clears throat> you have an introduction, then you have a vision of Jesus, right? Then, um, and then you have uh, chapters 2 and 3, right, about seven churches, and then we have another picture of heaven, in, in four and five, before we get into the um, the seals, we have this picture in heaven, right? And those um, <clears throat> who will be overcomers. Now, in, in in chapter six and seven, we have the seals, the seals, right? And in the sixth seal ends with the coming of Jesus and the destruction of the world as we know it. In chapter 7, we have those who are saved, right? A great multitude that no man can number, right? And then <clears throat> then we get into the trumpets, right? right? So you have a picture of heaven and then you have the trumpets. And the sixth trumpet, um, we have the final crisis, which is um, chapter Nine thirteen onwards, right, and so you get to the end um, of the the sixth trumpet, and then you have um, the seventh trumpet in Revelation eleven, and verse fifteen says the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. And of Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their throne before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. And because you have taken your great power, you have begun to reign. So we have this picture of God reigning, God reigning, right? And then we have a summary of the rest of the book. And um, so verse 18 says the nations were angry. So this is talking about uh, Revelation 13 and 14, right? And then <clears throat> for your wrath has come, it's chapter 15 and 16, and then uh, 16 through to, what would it be, through to 18, um, end of 18, um, and then 20, you have, um, <clears throat> well, 19, you have the coming of Jesus, and uh, 20, you have the time to judge the dead, and chapters 21 and 22, you have uh, rewarding your saints, right? So you have an introduction, and um, we have been going through chapter 12, and we talked last week about that um, verse, Um Revelation 12, verse 17, and it says, Then the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Those who obey God's commands 
and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So the dragon represents <coughs> the devil. Revelation 12 and verse 9 says that. Right. So, um, so we're going to talk about uh, Revelation 13 today, and uh, we'll see how far we get. Now, the Bible is um, is a wonderful book because it tells us not only how to live, but it tells us what's going to happen in the future. Now, it doesn't give us all the detail, but it gives us the broad strokes of what is going to happen. Now, for instance... Um, in um, chapter 13 and verse 19, is it 19? Chapter 13, 13 and um, 19, it says, this is what Jesus said to his disciples, Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So um, that's that one. Now, he says basically the same thing in chapter 14 and 29. 29, let me read it. Where is it here? Now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. So God tells us what's going to happen in the future. And the book of Revelation is telling us what is going to happen in the future. Now, I just want to read through Revelation um, 13. 13. And um, I, I read um, 12, um, 17. See, the devil is enraged against um, the remnant, the, the people of God. And um, he's going to get some help. And then um, it says there, And the dragon stood on the shore, shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea, and he had ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast um, I saw resembled a leopard, and the feet um, like those of a bear and the mouth like a lion. And the dragon um, gave the beast this power and his throne and great authority. So the devil's giving this beast this authority. And one of his, the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound was healed. And the whole world was astonished and followed this beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority for the beast. And they worship the beast and ask, well, who is like the beast? Who can make war against them? Um, who can make war against them? In verse 5, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. And he opened his mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name, his dwelling place, and those who live in heaven. And he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, nations. Right? And then it says, verse 8, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. So this beast has a worldwide authority. 
and all, all the inhabitants of the world, except those who are truly God's people and have their name written in the book of life, will worship this um, beast. And in verse 9 it says, He who has an ear to hear. Jesus said in the Gospels, He who has ears, ears, plural, to hear. Revelation, he's saying, He who has an ear, a ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. Now, the Bible Whatever it puts a lot of emphasis on, um, it's important. Now, that's a quote from Jeremiah 15 and verse 3 and 43 and verse 11. Now, there's a lot in the Bible about, um, you know, rebellion against God and the Babylonian captivity. Um, When you read Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, Lamentations, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets, right? Uh, what is it, 12 minor prophets, something like that? It's quite a few minor prophets. They're all dealing um, with um, a rebellion and uh, a captivity, right? So <clears throat> you know, God is warning us about the future. The world as we know it is not going to go on like it is. Right now, um, I'll read, um, for instance, um, verse 11 to the end of the chapter. So you have a beast that comes out of the sea, and now you've got a beast that comes out of the earth. And verse 11, I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf, and he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the world. So the inhabitants, all those who haven't got their name written in the book of life, will be deceived by the second beast who is enforcing uh, worship of the first beast. So it, see, and then it says, he orders them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded and by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image of the beast be killed. So it's pretty serious, isn't it? And he also forced everyone, small, great, rich, poor, free, slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their forehead and so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of the name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast for the, the for his man's number, the number is 666. So this is talking about the final crisis um, that's going to come upon um, the whole world. Now, <clears throat> A lot of people uh, would give up in disgust and looking <laughs> at that. But see, it is coded for a certain reason. Now, when it was written, um, 
the um, John or God didn't want uh, the Roman Empire to understand this. So the setting is the Roman Empire and enforced worship of Caesar. It came in at the same time. Right. And so this book was written to comfort those Christians going through um, persecution. And um, at that time, they were wondering whether the Christian church would survive. But it did. It did survive. And it's here today, and it's growing in power. Christianity is growing all over the world. Um, China is growing um, very fast in Africa. And... Uh, so the devil's enraged, and uh, he wants to um, destroy God's people. Now, to understand the book of Revelation, you've got to understand the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And I'm just going to read a few verses here, um, for instance. Now, what God does, he gives us little pictures. He gives us little pictures um, of what's going to happen in the future. That's what he does. He gives us little pictures throughout the Bible, but what's going to happen on a global scale? Um, and I think before we um, do that, um, we will have another song. So I'm just going to play you another song uh, by Margaret Becker. I think at the last time I was here, I played that too. So here
Now, isn't that a powerful um, song, um, Say the Name? Um, like the song before uh, that we had, Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we're, we're looking through the book of Revelation, and um, I just want to show you, see, the whole Bible um, says um, the same thing in lots of different ways. Now, the book of Daniel, you cannot understand uh, the book of Revelation unless you study the book of Daniel. To understand what the beast is in um, Revelation 13, uh, the beast that comes out of the sea, you've got to look at Daniel 7. Daniel 7 gives the identity of that beast power. And um, so... I just want to read you some verses from um, the book of Daniel. I'm going to read from verse, um, this is Daniel 8, and I'm going to read verse 17. It says, As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and I felt prostrate. And the Son of Man, um, he said to me, so an angel, Gabriel, right, came to explain to Daniel and he said, the Son of Man, he said to me, understand the vision concerns the time of the end, right, the time of the end. And if you have a look in the Moffat um, Bible, it says the crisis at the close, right? I don't believe we're at that crisis yet, but we're heading towards it. The greatest sign that Jesus is coming soon is the increase of wickedness in our world, right? God has a limit of how far he will let things go. You remember in... Um, in Genesis 15, the children of Israel could not go into the promised land until the cup of the iniquity of the Amorites was full, right? And the same thing happens here, right? So we, um, the crisis at the end, and then it says at the crisis at the end, verse 23, and it says in that latter part of their reign, right? Now, it is, a, it is talking about the Persian. See, it, it's, a, it's a vision about the ram and the he-goat. Now, the ram conquers, no, the um, the he-goat conquers the ram. And it says at the end of the Greek empire, you've got a person, um, it says at the latter part of their reign, when rebellion has become completely wicked, the stern-faced king, a masker of intrigue, uh, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astonishing devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men, the holy people, and he will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. And when he feels secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes, which is Jesus, and he will be destroyed, not by human power. So most commentators apply that um, to Antichonus, the Syrian um, king of 167 to 164 BC. Now he's a miniature of what it's going to be like at the at the end of the world. We're going to have a person like him um, in control of this world to a large degree. Now, when you go to um, Daniel nine twenty four. Um, you, you have these phrases to finish transgression, put an end of sin, atone for wickedness, right? 
Jesus is the only one that can do that. To bring an everlasting righteousness, right? Jesus is the only one that can do that. To seal up the vision, that's to fulfill all the prophecies. To seal up the vision and the prophecies and to anoint the most holy, right? So if you want to read a good sermon, go online, put Spurgeon, um, Charles Spurgeon, uh, sermon, and Daniel 9.24. It's a really good sermon, that is. You can read that. Right, so Jesus is going to conquer in this um, struggle, especially, um, well, in the great controversy. But at the end, now when you go to Daniel 11, which is Daniel 10 to 12, is the longest prophecy in the Bible. And I'm just going to read from verse 40 um, and 41. It says, At that time the king of the south will engage in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships, and he will invade many countries and sweep through um, them like a flood. And he also will invade the beautiful land, and many countries will fall. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel was in the middle, and you had the king of the north, who was Babylon, and the king of the south, which is Egypt. And they often fought. There's a lot of battles that took place between the king of the north and the king of the south. Now, when you get into the New Testament, it's not these battles. It's a spiritual battle. So the king of the north, uh, Babylon, stands for Bad religion, right? Bad religion. Christian religion that's gone to seed. That, um, And then the king of the south, which is, um, this is what I've read. So the king of the south would be uh, Egypt, which is a symbolic of either a non-biblical religion or an atheistic power, right? And so we see this struggle happening in the world between um Christianity and uh, atheism or, you know, other religions, you know, but um, atheism and uh, religion, you know, this clash, this clash. But it says here the king of the north, right, king of the north, he will succeed. So bad religion will succeed in overcoming atheism. Um and then um, it says in um, verse 44, it says, Reports from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out with great rage to, to destroy and annihilate, right? Annihilate many. And he will pitch his royal tent between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. Right, it's the same as um, in chapter 8 there. So news from the east and the north, this would have to be um, <clears throat> the loud cry, the latter rain, this gospel going to all the world. And um, to destroy, uh, see what he's going to do, this king of the north, he's going to um, try to destroy and annihilate many. Well, he will. Now, the Hebrew word for... Um, uh, annihilate is separate the uh, protection of law. And see, that's what Revelation 13 is talking about. The day is coming. If we don't worship the way that the beast says, um, we won't be protected by the governments of the world. Now, when you go into chapter 12, you go down to uh, verse 9, 
And it says, he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed and sealed up to the time of the end. And as I've said, uh, the Moffat Bible says the crisis at the end. And it says there that many shall be purified and made white. Right. Now, I think I'm going to have to come back um, on the next program and um, explain a bit more about this. So um, for all of us at um, Amazing Grace, we'd like to say um, God bless you and may the Lord be close to you. Um, and I'll just say a prayer to close. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness towards us. And we just pray that uh, you be with each person here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.